0: Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, your boy on social media at MMALOTN, and the architect behind the MMA Fight Archive, ensuring that you leave no stone unturned when you're researching these upcoming MMA events. Not only do we have UFC, Bellator, and LFA this weekend, but we also have Aries FC and A1 Combat, which is URI Favors fighting promotion. And then to end off the, the month, we also have ACA, uh, we have Cage Warriors, uh, and there's uh, PFL as well. So if you're looking to do research on those upcoming events, make sure you check out the MMA Fight Archive with direct links to past fights for all the competitors competing on those cards Make sure you take full advantage of the seven day free trial, which is available with the link in the description below. You thank me later, try it out, enjoy it. All right, this week, well, for the second time this week, we're breaking down another card. We got Bellator 301, which by all accounts seems to be the last event for them on the year and possibly under the management that they currently have. Obviously, the everybody knows that they've been sold to PFL at this point in time. There hasn't been a real uh, legitimate announcement as of uh, yet, but I think that they're just waiting for this one event to finish, and then we'll finally see the transition to the PFL uh banner or whatever they're going to be looking to do with the new management there's a bunch of solid fights throughout this card and that's what it's been like for the last couple of bellator events as they're really looking to showcase the top talent uh stacking their cards from like 15 to 20 fights scheduled um and just putting on as many title fights as possible on this card we got two title fights obviously in the main event we got yaroslav Amasov taking on jason jackson in the Coleman event we got the unification belt for the bantamweight title between Sergio pettis and patchy mix and we also have a uh lightweight grand prix matchup here between patricky pitbull and alexander Shabli. so uh and not to mention a bunch of other great fights throughout the card as well um, The fights take place in just over five hours or six hours, if I'm not mistaken. So I want to rifle through these 16 matchups as quickly as I can for you guys. Uh, always happy to get out the Bellator breakdowns because I know you guys appreciate it. I can see it from the amount of views these videos normally get when I'm even late with them. Uh We still crack the four-digit mark, so I'm very happy in regards to that. And uh, again, trying to be as good as I can with the timing of these breakdowns, but there's always life circumstances getting in the way in terms of being uh Being on the spot. Uh, Lastly, uh, before getting into the breakdowns, if you're looking for LFA breakdowns, there's eight fights tonight for that promotion. I have breakdowns for that strictly on the Patreon page, my Lock of the Night Patreon page. Check for the link in the description below for that as well. Uh, And I guess there is no reason to halt the breakdowns any further. Let's get right into them. Again, I'm going to rifle through them pretty quickly so that we can get through it in a timely fashion so you can. Digest it in a timely fashion and then make your bets or fades if uh, you uh, disagree or agree with me, whatever it might be. <clears throat> All right, clearing the throat. Let's get this show on the road. First fight of the night, Yves Landu versus Isaiah Kobayashi. Both these guys are pretty old. We got a 35-year-old going up against a 37-year-old, but I'm gonna lean with Landu as he's been way more active as of late. He's way more explosive and powerful in the early going of these matchups. And I think that his speed is gonna catch Kobayashi off guard, and we'll see an early finish for Landu. Am I comfortable with his chalky line at this point? Probably not. So I'll probably pass on it as a whole. But I do think Landu is the side here. And I think he gets it done inside the distance. Next up, we got Ramazan Kuramagomedov going up against Randall Wallace. And I was very surprised to see the line as wide as it is. I haven't really been impressed with Kuram Magomedov, even though he's 11-0 and 0 from his ult- or his very abysmal performance against Jordan Williams on the series a couple years back to even his uh, fight against John Howard. Not the most impressed. You know, he's a Dagestani wrestler looking to get fights to the ground, but he has a questionable striking game, even though he landed a good knee on Jaleel Willis to finish him last time around. Outside of that, I don't know he has a, a, too much of a striking game. Uh, his cardio is a big question mark as well and his opponent this weekend randall wallace is a veteran a 34 year old who's uh, i believe a double champ for a1 fighting if i'm not mistaken or a1 combat if i'm not mistaken but uh very solid durable tough fighter bjj black belt has some big power in his hands as well and he's very durable which will be very important for him especially if he's able to survive the early onslaught here from karamagomedov this should allow him to get this fight into the lake and deep waters and i think from there he could possibly find a finish of his own as ramazan starts to slow down so i'm gonna go i'm gonna take a very small sprinkle on wallace who was able to get at plus 1100 on bet online yesterday um if you want to take his inside the the distance Uh, if that's a better line that you can get probably not a bad way to go about it but this line is far too wide 2300 for a fighter as flaky as ramazan Kuromagomedov. very surprised at that line give me wallace and wallace inside the distance next up we got cody law going up against uh, bellator debutante jefferson pontes uh law obviously had that two fight losing streak that he had to um Uh, I believe it was Jason Gonzalez and uh, Chris Lencioni and then he bounced back last time around very strong wrestler working on his striking but most importantly working on being able to dish out damage when he's getting his grappling going and that's kind of been the downfall in his losses and now that he's looking to put an emphasis on that I think that we'll see a better performance from him even against the undefeated 6-0 Jefferson Pontes. Pontes looks like a decent striker with a educated grappling game but i think he's going to be at the mercy of the wrestling of cody law allowing law to take this fight wherever he needs to to get the job done i think he grinds this out over 15 minutes and i think he gets it done by decision next up islam mamedov going up against kilis mota this is a matchup between two fighters that normally like to implement a grapple heavy approach However, I think Mamadov is the better technical wrestler here. And we've seen Mota struggle with the guys that are technically better wrestlers as he did against Mike Hamill. And as he was kind of struggling against Kenneth Cross early on in that matchup. But luckily for Mota, Mota was way more active, had the better cardio that night and was able to finish Cross in the second round. But I think Mamadov has a good enough gas tank to go out there and pull off a solid win here. I know a lot of people are low on him because he lost as a big favorite last time around to Sydney Outlaw, but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that people are underestimating what Sydney Outlaw's actual potential is. I think Mamadov will control the majority of this matchup with his wrestling. Uh, Mota might have a little bit of an advantage in the striking realm, but I think that Mamadov will more often than not be able to get this into the grappling realm and control it there and win it by decision. Next up, we got Mike Hamill going up against Tim Wilde, a fight where I'm still kind of puzzled as to why Tim Wilde was able to beat a guy like Chris Gonzalez. I was very high on Chris Gonzalez going into that matchup. He was even my lock of the night prediction that night, but he didn't chase after the wrestling as much as I expected him to. Whether it was the constant movement, changing of stances, or even just the long-range weapons that Tim Wilde was implementing, it seemed like when Chris was actually going for takedowns, he was able to land them, get some good control time, and that should have been enough for him to continuously go out There and do that and win it by decision. But Tim Wild landed more devastating blows and impactful blows, and that ultimately got him the scorecards uh, from the judges to win that fight. But this is a fight with Mike Hamill, who's another relentless grappler who can go out there and kind of strike. But I think he does his best when he's able to get his hands on his opponents, drag them to the ground, and look to dominate them from that top position. I may have some PTSD from Tim Wilde's last fight, which is why I don't have a whole lot of confidence on Mike Amel, but I still believe that he should be able to go out there, and grind this fight out, and win it by decision. Next up, we got Matthias Matos going up against Richard Palencia. Very weird fight here, considering that both guys are coming off some pretty nasty uh, leg injuries uh, and extended layoffs as well. We saw Matthias Matos injure his knee, Uh, while preparing for a big matchup against Josh Hill last August, and he's been on the shelf ever since then. On the flip side for Richard Palencia, he was undefeated on the LFA scene and was also their bantamweight champion when he signed to Bellator as a 10-0 prospect, and unfortunately for him, he injured his leg very badly, a very gruesome uh, leg break uh, in the second round of his matchup against CJ Hamilton, uh, and that saw him sit on the shelf since October of last year uh Palencia is normally a fighter that likes to go out there and grind his opponents against the cage drag them to the ground and try to do some damage from on top not a lot of his wins have been coming from finish as of late which leads me to believe that he's not really seeking the finishes he's more happy with just grinding his opponents out and getting his hand raised by decision matos is a strong grappler in his own right and is probably the better striker in this fight as well so i'm going to be leaning with the brazilian fighter here but it's tough to have uber confidence on either side considering the you know significant injuries both of these guys are coming off of not to mention the layoff as well but i'll go with matos and i think he eventually finds the finish in the second or third round next up we got Kerry taylor melendez going up against sabris and goal uh carrie is obviously the significant other of mma legend gilbert melendez uh she comes from a striking background but she showcases very solid jiu-jitsu skills as well as you would expect from somebody who's married to a bjj black belt she likes to go out there and implement her striking heavy approach against her opponents utilizing her footwork and her combination striking from distance to either touch them up drop them get them to the ground and pull off submissions or just be comfortable enough to go out there and outpoint her opponents for 15 minutes her opponent Sabri Sengol comes in with a 3 and 3 record, with all three of her wins coming against opponents that are making their professional MMA debuts. She looks very timid and shy in the grap art, the striking realm, especially when she's fighting somebody that's not a complete tomato can. And if they are complete tomato cans, she looks to drag them to the ground and punish them from that top position. I don't think she's at the level of Carrie Taylor Melendez. If you want to give Sengol anything here, she's been more active as of late in terms of uh, you know staying in the cage. But Taylor Melendez, still far more skilled than Sengol, in my opinion. I just don't see where Sengol wins this matchup. And if you're getting Taylor Melendez anywhere between minus 200 and minus 250, I think that line is a steal and worth the chalk straight up. I get it. It's women's MMA. But I feel like Harry Taylor Melendez is tailor-made for this matchup to go out there and outpoint Sengol over 15 minutes. She might even be able to get a club and sub at some point as well. But I'm fine with her money line at minus 235. Next up, we got Archie Colgan going up against Peter Boost. Uh I love Colgan. Probably my favorite Bellator prospect as of right now. Uh, I believe he uh, continued his undefeated streak last time around when he beat the biggest opponent to date, which is Emmanuel Sanchez, utilizing a striking heavy approach, mixing in his wrestling behind it and dominating from that top position. Normally, he would look to use his grapple-heavy approach early in his career, but over his last couple of fights, he's showing off the improved striking skills that he has and the power that comes with it, as we saw in the Justin Montavio fight. His opponent this weekend is a far superior striker, technically speaking, as he is a Dutch kickboxing uh, champion, if I'm not mistaken, but also getting up there in age. We saw boost give up the first two rounds to Gadzi Rabadanov last time around uh, and was coming on strong in the third round but it was just too little too late for him at that point. I think Hogan would be wise to use his grappling in this matchup looking to avoid the kickboxing of Boist wearing on him early on in this matchup, and then maybe letting his hands go later on as, he's, as he continues to wear and slow down boys. I'm a little turned off by the minus 1,100 on Archie Kogan, even though he's my favorite prospect on the roster. So I'm probably looking to, uh, or be looking to avoid this fight, but Kogan should be able to control the majority of it and win it by decision. Next up, we got Timur Kizriev going up against Justin Gonzalez. On the Kizriev side, we got an undefeated fighter who has two solid victories with the Bellator promotion thus far. His debut came against the most tenured Bellator fighter in uh, Daniel Vichel, and then he followed that up with a decision victory over Richie Smolin. This guy's very smooth with his striking, but also blends in his takedowns very well behind that. He trains out of American top team and is improving at a very steady rate, and could end up finding himself in title contention depending on the future of the Bellator organization. His opponent, Justin Gonzalez, is a solid all around fighter as well, normally utilizing a slick striking approach, and he seemed to have decent defense of grappling in past fights but Maz Bernal was able to control him for the majority of 15 minutes last time around taking him to the ground and pounding him out from that top position winning that fight by decision Gonzalez needs to keep fights on the feet to have success but I think he's going to struggle to do that here against a guy that blends his striking and grappling as well as Timur Kizriev. give me Kizriev here and I think he wins this fight by decision Next up, very intriguing fight here between veteran Denise Keelholds as she takes on rising up and comer uh, Sumiko Anaba. Now, Holds is coming off a victory over Paula christina which stamped a two fight losing streak for her. But it wasn't that long ago that Keelholds fou- found herself in a championship fight and she possibly got robbed on the scorecards when she uh, went out there and lost a decision to Juliana Velasquez. Unfortunately, a rough run for her over the next couple of fights kind of made her irrelevant. At the top of the division but a big win over paula Costrina definitely reminded people of what she's capable of she has a dutch kickboxing style and she's very powerful when she throws her strikes so it's kind of surprising that she doesn't have more knockout victories on her professional mma record but she's very good in terms of sticking to the plan utilizing her combinations and nasty leg kicks to damage her opponents her opponent this weekend, so Miko Anaba, pulled off the biggest victory of her career last time around where she was able to outscore and sweep uh, Vita Arteaga on the scorecards by outstriking her and sticking at range and utilizing her long-range weapons. And that's kind of the clash that we have here is the power Dutch kickboxing striking style of um, Denise Kiholtz. And then the long range weapons of Samiko Inaba with possibly a slight grappling advantage as well. However, we haven't seen Inaba effectively use her offensive grappling for me to believe that she's worth taking the chalk in this spot. And I get it, the public is on her side, the hype is on her side, and even the momentum is on her side in terms of either women's careers. But considering that this is the most skilled striker that Inaba has faced and we're getting her at plus 130, I think holds is worth a little bit of a shot here. And I think she can land the more damaging blows and win. In this fight by decision. Next up, we got a heavyweight matchup between Tyrell Fortune and Marcelo Gome. Last time around, Tyrell Fortune won his fight by disqualification after he had some solid success with his wrestling, but then when he was shooting for another takedown, his opponent pummeled the back of his head as badly as I've ever seen anybody illegally strike the back of an opponent's head. That caused Fortune to pretty much not be able to continue that fight. It was very bad uh, how much she was being affected by that. But we know what Fortune's game is. He's looking to take opponents to the ground, grind them out from that top position, looking for finishes, preferably because once he gets into deeper waters, it's harder for him to secure those dominant positions so that he can continue to go on and win fights by decision. He goes up against a very experienced Marcelo Gomes here who was looking pretty damn good for about two and a half rounds until he ran into a big bomb from Daniel James last time out, putting his lights out clean. But I think that Gomes is a better overall fighter here. I think he has good enough defensive grappling to not get completely mauled by fortune in the early going here and i think the longer that this fight goes his striking advantage will completely show off and that will allow him to keep fortune at bay hurting him badly and i think he can potentially finish him in the third round of this matchup so give me the underdog money on Gome, uh, and look for him to weather the early storm come on strong late and get the finish all right next up the uh the lightweight grand prix fight that we have here between patricky pipple and alexander shabli I'm kind of surprised that Pipple is still as relevant as he is, but I think a lot has to do with the fact that his his name value, I know the majority of that name value comes from his brother as his brother is clearly the better fighter of the two, but Pipple still, you know, made it to the next round of the lightweight Grand Prix after butchering and finishing Robert D'Souza earlier this year, but I think he's in for some shit here against Shabli, who's probably one of the better pickups for Bellator in the last couple of years tricky is obviously a constant striker who likes to like uh, use leg kicks, but I think the slick sniper-like striking style of Alexander Shabli will allow him to pick apart Pitbull and eventually finish him in the second or third round. I know this is a five-round fight, which, in my opinion, favors a guy like Shabli, and I think that Shabli can use a mix of his grappling and his striking, but it's more often than not his striking that gets the job done uh, uh, to to put his opponents away. So I get it, Shabli minus 750 favorite, not a lot of uh, meat on the bone there. But maybe honing in on his round props, round two, round three, round four. I think if, if you sprinkle those, you should be able to find some profit as I think that he will finish this fight. Uh, like I said, that first round will be a feeling out process. But after that, he should be able to find the finish without too much issue. Next up, we got a showcase belt here between AJ McKee Jr. and Sydney Outlaw. AJ McKee obviously uh, finding himself outside of the lightweight Grand Prix after he was forced out of his matchup back in July due to some sort of medical issue. Now he's taken on Sydney Outlaw, who I believe was eliminated from the tournament. But Outlaw, (coughs) very solid fighter. Sorry, Outlaw was not a part of the tournament. He pulled off a big, (coughs) excuse me, he pulled off a big upset over uh, islam Mamedov last time around where he controlled the fight for pretty much 80 percent of it landing takedowns and also controlling the back of Mamedov. that's outlaw's game he is a smothering grappler and if he can get his hands on you it's going to be tough to get him off of you i think aj McKee is better than Mamadov in terms of uh utilizing his striking to maintain his range making outlaw pay on desperation takedowns with uh you know threatening with chokes or even just working back to his feet and i think that aj McKee can pick him apart and utilize the more damage-heavy approach to win this fight by decision. But I'm not so keen on the heavy chalk on the McKee side I think he might be kind of benefiting what uh, from what Pitbull is benefiting from as well now too in terms of the name value that he brings he only really has one loss on his record to date so I can't harp on him too much but I think it's going to get harder for him to acclimate to the 155 pound weight class especially against a strong grappler against a guy like Sydney Outlaw so you have to keep in mind that McKee is still building his muscle building his weight so that he can be comfortable at this 155 pound Frame and that could leave some openings for Outlaw to take advantage of him, outmuscle him, bully him, and possibly get some good uh grappling positions. However, I'm gonna trust in the skill advantage, overall skill advantage that McKee has here, and I think that he'll go out there, batter uh Sydney Outlaw over 15 minutes and win this fight by decision all right grudge match up next here between Rafion stotz and danny sabatello which are uh which is a rematch of a fight that took place during the bantamweight grand prix last year that night Rafion stotz landed the more damaging blows which ended up allowing the referees or the judges to score the fight in his favor it was a very close fight where sabatello had some solid control time of his own but he was just pretty much holding and not doing much damage which is why stotz was able to go out there and get the win now we're seeing stotz obviously coming off that lost two patchy mix and Danny Sabatello picking up a win over Marcos Breno. But then last time around getting finished by Magomed Magomedov, uh, sabatello coming in as a very slight favorite in this matchup which is kind of a surprise considering that stotz got the best of him last time around i think stotz's defensive grappling is good enough to deal with sabatello early here and that should allow him to stuff the takedowns stay up against the fence land the more damaging blows as sabatello continues to try to look for takedowns and just like the first fight he'll likely get his hand raised by damage uh on the scorecards. Uh, again close fight i'm not completely counting out sabatello as i think he has tried to make an emphasis on trying to land more damage during his grappling realm uh, or during his grappling sequences but i think that Stots is good enough in terms of defensively that should allow him to stay out of bad positions and from eating too much big damage and that will allow him to land the more damaging blows like i said and uh, win this fight on the scorecard so give me the slight underdog and rafian Stots to go two and oh against danny sabatello all right Come event time, bantamweight title unification bout here between Sergio Perez and Patsy Mix. A fight that I am very excited for as both guys are probably the two best bantamweights currently on the roster. Sergio Perez has made big improvements since his days in the UFC and that shows considering the fact that he is the champion and most recently pulled off a big victory over Patricio Pitbull last time around defeating him on the scorecards pretty much shutting him out outside of one round his striking all uh, uh, combined with his takedown defense improvements has been a huge uh, help for him to be as successful as he has with the Bellator promotion but i think he might be in for some shit here against the guy in Patchy Mix who's bigger stronger and likely can get him into positions that Pettis may not be able to get out of uh Patchy Mix is a smothering grappler with one of the best choke games in the and not just in Bellator but in all all of MMA and syringity latches onto your neck more often than not he's taking it on home with him I think he can force some scrambles here that could give up the neck of Pettis and we could potentially see Mix grabbing onto it but I could also see Mix utilizing a um more of a patient approach and looking to control Pettis and try to grind him out over 25 minutes or at least win three of the five rounds to get his hand raised by decision. The chalk is a little bit too much for me on Patchy Mix here, but I just don't see enough value on the Sergio Pettis side to take a dog shot on him. On him, Even though he cashed as a plus 170 underdog for me last time around against Patricio Pitbull, I think Patchy Mix is just a tougher and a more difficult matchup for him. So give me Mix, Mix by decision, and I think he will be the new unified bantamweight battle Tour champion all right that brings us to our main event of the evening where we got yaroslav amasov taking on jason jackson very fun fight here i believe this is the uh yeah for the welterweight title uh amasov 27 and oh absolutely crazy what kind of record this guy has and he's been fighting some solid fighters throughout it most recently he picked up his second victory over over logan storley making his uh making his first fight not look as uh or sorry his second fight looked way easier than he did the first time he fought him uh he's very slick all around he has a very educated striking game where he throws in combinations and stay pa- stays patient from distance but also has a grappling edge against most of his opponents where he's able to take them down and grind them out from that top position this guy's great cardio as well something that i used to question in the past but as of lately he's been looking good especially in championship rounds jason jackson on the other hand is a guy who his last victory i believe was summer of last year um mainly getting this fight because there's really no more contenders for uh, amasov to go up against jason normally utilizes a grapple heavy approach to take his opponents to the ground and grind them out but i think amasov is far better than him in almost every situation in this matchup he's a better striker he's a better grappler probably has the better cardio as well and not to mention has way more five-round experience So I'm going to lean with Amosov here pretty heavily, and I don't mind his minus 400, minus 450 price tag either. Whether you want to just bite the bullet and take the chalk straight up or throw him into parlays, I love Amosov in this spot, and I think he dominates showcasing why he is potentially the best welterweight on the planet. There you guys go. Breakdowns on all 16 fights for Bellator 301. Uh, Again, I believe the fight goes down at 5 or 6 p.m. Eastern today. Uh, Appreciate you guys checking out the episode as always. LFA breakdowns on the Lock of the Night Patreon page, link for that in the description below. Um, And I'll be back later today to drop another uh, UFC uh, segment, uh, obviously doing the the four-in-one segment video that I normally do, and then next week is an off week for the UFC, although I'll be dropping Cage Warriors breakdowns on the Patreon page. The following week, we're back for the UFC, last three events of the year in December for the UFC, and we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming, dropping the breakdowns on Monday, and then obviously the segments on the consecutive following days love you guys appreciate appreciate you guys drop a comment drop a like drop a subscribe if you haven't already good luck this weekend and i'll see you guys again later today peace last thing